Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. My name is Dr. Rupi and this is the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. Now, in light of the situation, uh, what I usually talk about being food, medicine, lifestyle, uh, I think it's pertinent to direct the conversation for this week's podcast around the current situation um, without, again, uh, contributing to the pile of information information that's already out there. I thought this would be uh, a different take on it. So what I want to do today, um, which I said is slightly different to the normal regime of, of what we do with podcasts, we're actually delaying those. We have some fantastic episodes coming up soon. We're going to talk a little bit about what you need to know regarding the COVID-19 situation, the nomenclature, uh, the current scenario as of the 28th of March, things that I don't think will change in the near future and things to look out for. I also want this uh, episode to be a sort of a how-to guide of dealing with the the current scenario of quarantine. Things to look out for from your mental health point of view, from a a physical and nutrition point of view, as well as some tips of how to navigate the social media and the media landscape in general, because I think um, it's overwhelming for a lot of us. I'm going to be talking a bit about um, what I'm currently doing within the NHS and outside of the NHS as well in contributing to um, the Doctor's Kitchen and everything that we do here. So that's sort of the summary of what's go- what we're going to be talking about. If you feel that you've heard enough about COVID-19, don't worry about listening to this podcast. There are plenty of more in the library and ones that are going to be coming up soon. We've had to put on hold a whole bunch of super exciting podcasts. Um, We've got a three-part series on reversing aging with Professor David Sinclair. Um, We have uh, David Leviton coming on the podcast, the author of The Organized Mind. We we have an episode on the ketogenic diet, um, CBD, um, even eating for the menopause. But for now, we're going to break from that. um, And we're also going to do some AMAs with myself. So anything that you need to know about the COVID-19 situation, as well as uh, other things to keep you um, equipped during this uh, troublesome time. So Without and feel free to skip through this bit if you've heard enough about um, Corona. But I thought I'd uh, just go through about what the virus is, 
uh, what you need to know about it and why it's different to anything else and, and how to navigate everything. So um, we know that uh, the cause is SARS. Uh, SARS is a term that's being banded around quite a bit. What it stands for is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, Coronavirus 2. That's the formal name. And the disease it causes is something called COVID-19. It is the, the same strain as the virus that caused SARS, which back in the day was just called SARS in the media, but uh, officially it was SARS-CoV-1, which affected around 8,000 people um, in the early 2000s. There is a, a, a clear DNA match there. We, we're not uh, exactly clear where it came from. Largely, it's most likely from a, a wet market in Wuhan, a, a wet market is where you have lots of different animals brought at the same time. And yes, uh, it's likely that it came from a bat. Um, there was a suggestion that it came from a, a pangolin, um, which is like a reptile, but actually um, it could be coming from a number of different animals. And actually, you know, this could have started in a indus- industrial farm in the middle of America. It could have come from a whole bunch of, uh, a bunch of scenarios in different agricultural uh, Uh, arenas around the UK as well so I don't think it's uh, fair to squarely blame the Chinese for this even though obviously that's where it originated from I think we need to be fair to uh, the fact that we all have particularly poor agricultural practices when it comes to livestock and that needs to be um, certainly looked at in the future when this is said and done the actual virus itself viruses are interesting because they don't have that they're not uh, living things on their own they have to use the machinery from a different organism in which to survive and so the structure of this uh, is quite um, simple but it, it works in a sophisticated way there's four main proteins one of them is a spike protein and that's what allows entry into cells the other proteins give it structural integrity so the membrane and and the encapsulating of the RNA which is the genetic material within the actual virus itself when the protein spikes into another cell that's when you get the DNA that's released and that uh, essentially hijacks a a normal cell whether it be an animal or in this case a human um, in which to divide and and that's how the virus spreads Um, we know that it enters through mucous membrane so that's through Uh, nose uh, mouth but also eyes as well which is why uh, when we use personal protective equipment we have to use things like visors um, and the visors that cover your eyes as well because coughing sneezing or even doing procedures that are quite sensitive like intubation which is where you put a tube down someone's throat um, in order to ventilate them those are exposing procedures so it's really important to have that equipment and one of the the issues right now is um, nhs frontline staff are just not equipped to have that uh, protective equipment which is a massive travesty and i think to Bill Gates' point and a whole bunch of other people that have been warning of an epidemic for a number of years now, we should have really had the stocks of these um, uh, stockpiled because this is one of the major threats to humanity that we've been talking about for a little while now. So um, in serious cases, what it causes is something called uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS. And this can occur with normal, uh, normal, I like to say normal, but um, influenza as well. It's an overreaction essentially of the immune system that causes 
uh, fluid accumulation in your lungs. Now, uh, this is particularly troublesome for a number of reasons. What happens is your uh, gases exchange surface. So the surface by which you exchange uh, gases, oxygen and carbon dioxide, become completely overwhelmed uh, with fluid. So you're unable to exchange oxygen and uh, CO2, which is essentially very important. This is how you breathe. What this leads to is maloxygenation of the rest of your body, which leads to multi-organ failure. If you think back to biology when you're at school, everything, every cell requires oxygen. Uh, in your body. And so eventually, if you're unable to oxygenate properly, that's where things start shutting down. And that happens quite quickly as well. The chest x-rays that I've seen uh, in emergency departments, um, and certainly in ITU as well, have been pretty scary. Um, and we'll get a, a little bit into why I think it's scarier than influenza. But there are, there are a couple other features I think that, is, that are unique to this particular virus that make it a little bit more troublesome. The, the the funny thing is not the funny thing but like the reality is simple soap completely destroys this virus so this is why the initial campaign was all about uh, uh hand washing and it still is because um as you've got a, a a membrane the actual virus simple soap can completely destroy that so if it sits on your hands or uh, clothing or even things like cardboard steel copper there's a few papers out there that show that the fomites i.e the virus that sits on surfaces can be destroyed with simple soap so that's why hand washing is exceptionally important whenever to put it in context when i go out and i get my shopping from the supermarket that i might do twice a week or maybe three times at the most uh come back home the first thing i do put the, uh, the food away and i wash my hands because even though i've been mindful not to touch uh other other things and you know you're always going to be coming into contact with the food that you put into your bag or the um the the cash register or you, you know when you pay with your card for example you're going to be touching the screen so you're going to be touching things that may have viral particulates on them so it's really important to do your, your soap washing as well and that's it's just very very simple to do um the other thing uh that i think is uh, these are unclear things that i'm going to be talking about but from what we understand at this point so a few weeks into this uh, uh pandemic um, it seems highly transmissible, more transmissible than the regular or seasonal flu that we experience every year. So that means um, the measures that have been put in place right now are even more important um, because we know that it sits somewhere between a chickenpox virus, which is exceptionally transmissible. You put one kid into a room with uh, 10 other kids, 10 other kids will get it. Uh, compared to uh, seasonal flu where the transmission rate might be around one or less than one I don't the the actual figure raids me at the moment um, so it sits in between there and estimates have suggested that it can be between one and five and that's a huge variable that we just don't know the exact number on right now it does seem to disproportionately affect older patients which is why um we are even more aggressive when it comes to isolating those over the age of 65 and those who regularly get the flu vaccine. So asthmatics, pregnant ladies, um, those over the age of 65, plus those who have uh, medical conditions that require them um, to be on immunosuppressants in particular. 
so there's a lot of information there that I've already talked about. And I think um, this has been talked about a lot. So I'm conscious not to repeat things, but I think those are the main things that you need to understand. Currently, our approaches are maintaining ventilation and maintaining gaseous exchange. The way we do that is by giving oxygen. Given the nature of this particular virus, non-invasive ventilation, which I'll explain in a second, isn't an option. And we have to go to ventilation, which is where we put a tube down someone's neck um, and breathe for them on a machine. And that in involves us having to paralyze the muscles of the body and actually put people into what would be effectively an induced coma. Um, Non-invasive ventilation is where we apply a specialized mask to the face and we, under pressure, put pump oxygen and gases into the lungs to inflate them. The reason why this is not an option for this particular virus is because it aerosolizes the virus. What does aerosolization mean? Well, essentially, it makes the virus uh, present in the atmosphere around where the patient is. And that aerosolization can be around three hours, which is what I've heard in some studies. The reason why this is particularly dangerous is because the healthcare workers that are looking after said patient are then exposed to a huge viral load. And this is what's led to some really unfortunate cases uh, in Wuhan, China, where healthcare workers have become severely affected. Um, and we have witnessed some of those uh, troubling um, scenarios here in the UK as well. So non-invasive ventilation, which is something that we do give for patients who have restrictive lung disease like COPD in this particular um, condition is is not an option. There are some scenarios which uh, would require non-invasive ventilation, but in general, that's the uh, that's the consideration that we have to to take. And ventilation is is the only thing that we give. There are a few different medications that are being trialed. Um, you may have heard of hydroxychloroquine, uh, anti-malarial medication. Uh, there are some antiviral medications as well that we tend to give to HIV patients. As of yet, there isn't anything that is a blockbuster uh, trial that shows that there's definite uh, responses, and most of them have been Hail Mary. So a Hail Mary is an American football term. I watch American football all the time. It's essentially where you just throw the ball in the air and you just hope for glory. And that's really reserved at the moment for patients who are, uh, are really far along their, their condition in a, in a critical state. So... The things that you need to know at this point, I think after knowing that there are some um, some medications that we're trying, the mainstay of treatment, which is ventilation, the things that you need to know right now, something called the R-naught. So the R-naught is uh, how transmissible and how easily spread this particular virus is. Like I said, chickenpox is highly, highly transmissible. Uh, the influenza virus is less transmissible than this one. We could probably fairly say that. What we do not know is just exactly how uh, spreadable this uh, virus is. So we don't exactly know what the R naught is. But estimates vary between two to five. What does that mean? Well, one patient could potentially infect two people in, in, when having contact, whether it be a handshake, whether it be a hug, whether it be talking to them quite closely. Uh, or five people. And that's uh, that's a huge, huge number because when you put these different numbers into a modeling system, it gives you drastically different outcomes with regard to how quickly 
the number of cases can spread in a given population. So that's the R0, and you're going to hear that in the news uh, and in papers being, being talked about quite a bit. The other thing is the mortality rate. Now, trying to uh, assess the mortality rate during a pandemic, during an epidemic, is a very difficult thing to do. And it's a very dangerous thing to do as well, because it can massively overestimate what the mortality rate actually is. To put an example, um, during the uh, the last uh, pandemic, so during the last uh, swine flu um, pandemic, what we had is uh, mortality rates that are grossly, grossly elevated uh, during the time. And that ranged from anywhere between 0.1% to 2% uh, mortality rate. And that is massive. When you look back on it, it was far, far lower than that. The reason why is because in a situation where you have uh, a, a low number of tests being given out to the general population, you are, utter, you, you are under uh, diagnosing the number of potential cases and the mortality cases uh, are ones that you clearly know about because I mean, you're going to recognize whether a patient has passed away, unfortunately, from this condition and you're going to, have to easily count those numbers. So unless you have a clear understanding or a clear number of how many cases there are in a given population, you are always going to underestimate it. And when you do the math to calculate mortality rate, it's always going to be inflated. So when you look at the news and they are giving you up-to-date quote-unquote, stats on mortality, they are most likely going to be exaggerated. So at this point in time, I'm not that concerned about mortality rate. What I'm more concerned about, actually, is the uh, percentage of patients that are critically ill. So the number of patients that will require uh, admission to a hospital with potential uh, for ventilation. And the number that we've we've been seeing is, is actually quite high. Um, it's around 10% looking at Chinese data. Um, and when you model that, you look at the number of uh, critical care beds that there are in the UK, for example, it gives quite a scary outcome in that the uh, capacity for uh, patients who may require a critical care bed for something like ventilation um, is rapidly going to be diminished. And that's why we are seeing this week makeshift hospitals being built across the UK. And I welcome that decision because it's a very um, wise decision to prepare for that. It's a little bit late in the game, but there's no point pointing fingers now. I think the most important thing is to make sure that we are uh, doing as much as we can in this point. So looking at uh, all the different variables for a virus, the R naught and the mortality rate, um, you know, how transmissible it is. The only thing that we really have control of at this point in time is how aggressively we socially isolate. That is the only thing that is within our control at the moment. We can determine whether that will be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days and beyond. And I hate to say beyond, but there are suggestions from people who are a lot more intelligent, a lot more informed that there may be a prolonged quarantine period that might be required for this in, uh, in so as that we can actually deliver medications, more effective interventions, etc. If that's the only thing that we have, then we should be pulling that lever. We should definitely be using that tool as much as possible, which is why, again, something that I welcome, the government has decided to um, 
uh, to pull that lever massively and, and encourage everyone to self-isolate and work from home where possible with the exemption of a few key workers, um, that being the supermarket heroes, the logistics people that are delivering uh, PPE and other uh, necessary equipment for um, uh, NHS frontline staff, the police, etc. You know the ones by now. With that in mind, um, I think that's the only thing that we need to concern ourselves at this point. So socially isolating, as difficult as it is, as easy it is for me to stay, uh, say this to you through the medium of YouTube, um, podcasting, whichever medium that you're, you're listening to or watching this on, um, that is the thing that we have within our control and it will save lives. It will absolutely save lives. The other thing you need to be uh, uh, aware of is the news. And it would be, uh, it, it's something to expect. Whenever you turn on the news, whenever you listen to something on the radio, whenever you look at something on your phone or social media, you should expect that the mortality rate, the case rate, um, the number of critical care uh, uh, patients admitted will go up. So when you uh, hear uh, a media outlet say, uh, today is the worst uh, number of cases that we've had in the UK, and the next day, we have had the most number of deaths in the single day, that is to be expected, unfortunately, at this point, because as is the, uh, the case with all viruses, there is exponential growth. There is uh, a, 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 an increasing number of cases. So what we expect until we get over the curve is an in, a rapidly increasing number of cases and a rapidly increasing number of deaths before we see the exact opposite. And, and just this little realization, hopefully, will make you a little bit more resilient to the anxiety and the fear that is, that is among all of us right now. Because uh, unless you're, you're expecting that kind of news, then it's always gonna to come to a shock. And I'm exactly the same, even though I know the maths, even though I, I expect uh, what's going to happen, uh, whenever I read that new death count or the new case toll, um, it, my irrational monkey brain uh, goes into, oh, that's terrible news and I can't believe this is happening. Um, but my rational main brain, my, 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 um, uh, the, the brain that actually applies a bit of logical thinking steps in and I need to essentially encourage that and actually say, you know what, this is to be expected. It's unfortunate, but this is to be expected. So hopefully that will give you some some understanding of of what's going on. It will give you a little bit of um, reprieval from, from what you're going to be expecting to, to hear in the news. Those are the main things I wanted to talk about with, with the, the virus. I, I don't think we're going to be um, hearing much in the way of a vaccine. Uh, a definitive cure for this for a while. I think there's a lot of chat about it on the news. Uh, I think there is, um, there's definitely reason for hope, but I don't think it's something that we should be expecting in the next couple of months. Um, as per the nature of creating a, a vaccine, um, it's sort of like uh, building a plane in flight. It's, it's, it's just not going to happen at this point. Um, and I don't think we should be expecting that, which is why, again, social isolation, social distancing, quarantining are the most effective measures that we have right now whilst we try and get hold, um, get hold of the situation.
The other thing I want to talk about, and this is the, the, the sort of, without, without belittling the, the situation, without uh, making a mockery of what I'm seeing in NHS and what I'm hearing about um, from my colleagues across London and across the UK, there are a lot of positive takeaways from this. I have never seen uh, as much appreciation, as much kindness as I have in the last couple of weeks uh, amongst Londoners and across the world. It's quite frankly breathtaking that the uh, human collective nature is so moral and kind-hearted um i think social media uh, has really rebranded itself in a way because it's allowing me to um to witness some things um that have just melted my heart and it makes me a lot more passionate when i go into work uh in the understanding and, and in the knowledge that all these uh, kind acts are happening i've been sharing a whole bunch of these on my social media um if you flick through my Instagram or Facebook accounts, I've been trying to chronicle them uh, as they go along, but they are quite uh, inspirational. So I think there's a lot of positives to come out of this. With that in mind, um, I think without uh, shying away from the negative, um, the, uh, the now has never been a better time to shape your social media landscape. Um, and I say that uh, with a bit of caution because I'm not trying to call out any uh, people that have made it their business to be aggressive or be uh, negative online. But I think now more than ever, we need to try and surround ourselves with positivity because there is negativity coming at every single angle, every single news station, every single radio station I listen to. Um, I play a game actually whenever I'm in the car, which is very infrequent now. Um, I or whenever I switch on the radio, I should say. I, I count the number of seconds before I hear the C word. Um, and, you know, it's, it's usually less than 10 seconds. I think the longest was when I turned on Radio 4 and it was an episode of The Archers, um, which is the only place that isn't affected by COVID-19 right now. But uh, yeah, at the moment, it's, uh, it's kind of everywhere. And so now it's never been a more important time to kind of surround yourself with positive uh, energy and positive messages. And I believe that we can do that with social media by uh, following accounts and unfollowing accounts that you think that are just adding to the mental burden. And uh, I like a rant every now and then, and I like to engage in uh, releasing a lot of tension um, but I just don't think right now is the time to listen to other people rant about whatever it is, whether it be moaning or whatever. I mean, to give you an example, um, I was doing my daily walk uh, the other day and I saw a bunch of kids um, on the corner and they were playing music, they were hanging out, they were dancing, you know, and the immediate uh sensation I had was one of anger it was one of pure just uh, I was really upset at the situation they clearly know what's going on they clearly have come across the news and they know the advice now had been out for a good five days that they shouldn't be meeting in groups with their friends because it's a risk to everyone not least their families but immediately I caught myself when I was like trying to empathize with them. They're young kids, 
they don't have the same understanding they have no idea what we are dealing with on the front line in the nhs they have no idea about the virus they probably can't even contemplate this what they are seeing is that they are being told not to go out and socialize they are bored and i was looking at the kids actually um, that were continued to go to spring break and i remember thinking again how selfish how on earth they do that like how how, how dare they but at the same time, if I fast, if I rewind back to when I was a, you know, seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old, and I was told that I couldn't go away on my trip that I've been looking forward to for five, six months, I'd probably be just as selfish as them, and I'd probably think, yeah, I'm invincible, and this is just the regular flu, and I'd try and convince myself of that bias as well, because we're all privy to bias, um, and we believe what we want to believe as long as it's in our best interest. So, I, I'd. And I've seen a lot of people practicing this. Um, and it's something that I try and practice on a daily basis whenever I'm in A&E or whenever I'm in primary care because I think it's really important to empathize with people's scenarios. Um, and for that reason, I would encourage you to listen to an incredible YouTube uh, talk by uh, David Foster Wallace. This is Water. Um, because I think we make uh, characteristics and we make assumptions of what people are doing um, we assume that it's from coming from a negative place, but actually there are a lot of other things that we don't understand um, with uh, with people, with patients, um, with, with people in our lives. Um, there are people that are more vulnerable than we'd want to believe. And um, I'm not saying that's everyone, but certainly it's something I've been uh, practicing a lot. Okay, creative energy. So uh, right now, um, when you're... If you're listening to this at home, uh, if you are, you know, dealing with children, um, if you're dealing with boredom, now has never been uh, an, a more pertinent time to get creative. Um, I'm trying to get back into painting. Uh, I'm also trying to uh, tick a whole bunch of things off of my list that I've been meaning to do for a number of uh, years now. Um, I think without belittling again the situation now has never been a, a better time to focus on self-help and looking after your mental well-being and your physical well-being through food and lifestyle but also mental health practices i'm going to be getting back into my breathing practices i've been sharing a, a bunch of those actually with a colleague of mine who's a neurogastroenterologist on uh, instagram I've been uh, trying to uh, give myself more, a bit more time for gratitude, something that I've been practicing for a number of years now. And uh, I think a lot more people are going to come out of this uh, believing a bit more in slowing down and changing their value system to appreciate self-care a lot more. I think corporates hopefully are going to recognize the value of flexible working and how productive people can be um, when working from home. Um, and uh, from from people that I've heard, I've heard that it's never been a busier time for, for uh, those working in a whole bunch of different industries. So without, again, trying to um, over-sensationalize the benefits of quarantine, because certainly it's impacting a lot of people in the hospitality industry, uh, entertainment industry, uh, cleaning industry, and a whole bunch of different industries that are adversely affected by this, I think there are some positives to hold on to as well. And hopefully that will come out with... Um, that will, that will come out with a, with a few more stories that we, we hear about too. Um, I think, uh, and unfortunately not for those listening to the US, uh, listening in the US, but um, the UK stimulus package is, is uh, 
quite incredible. It's very generous. I think there are a lot of uh, um, amazing things that the government has been responsible for. But I mean, I'm definitely the first person to to think of all the negative things. But again, in light of what I've just been talking about with regards to positive energy, um, the stimulus package, um, the inclusion of those who are self-employed, and the protection um, that they've at least put in theory um, out there um, is something definitely to welcome. And I think that's given a lot of people some reprisal from the anxiety of this scenario. Not everyone. Um, and again, this is me coming from a very privileged position where I still have a job. Um, and uh, I was actually talking to a colleague of mine the other day about how um, we're actually very, very lucky uh, in that we get to go to work, we get to uh, experience uh, like having and maintaining our social um, our social bonds. Even though yes, we're on the front line and we are we have to deal with uh, coronavirus as it is at the moment. Um, there are definitely some some benefits to this whole uh, scenario to us, um, and I think it's. In, I've never seen a more um, encouraging morale boosting uh, department uh, than in the last couple of weeks. So I think there are definitely benefits to us as well, uh, even though there there are clearly risks too. But uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty privileged that we get to uh, maintain our social interactions in person um, that I think will rub on a lot of people in the next couple of months um, if this goes on for that long, which I I expect it will do uh, unfortunately there are multiple opportunities um at this point in time books right now that i recommend are ones that are just spreading positivity the language of kindness by christy watson is something that i encourage everyone to listen to and everyone to read because uh i mean i I had her on the podcast um, and i would definitely give that a listen again if you haven't but it's just an inspirational book uh, looking at how the nhs runs regularly and how we are always um, there or this organization from the cleaners to the administrative staff to the managers are always always working at full capacity Um, and there are multiple crises perhaps not as big as this pandemic but certainly uh, an undertone of crisis that healthcare workers are always always dealing with and so just to give you some perspective of why it's not even a question for people to still go to work despite putting themselves at risk uh, potentially uh, particularly frontline workers but it's um it's just like the norm anyway um so highly highly recommend that other ways in which you can foster kindness would be um, through having uh, authentic conversations uh, with friends and family. I, I can't tell you the number of people that reached out that I haven't spoken to in a few months um, who have just felt it upon themselves to just send a message or just check in, see how you're doing. Um, there are so many opportunities for us to do that now with things like social media, WhatsApp, email, and Skype, and Zoom, and all the incredible tele, um, uh, video conferencing tools we have at our disposal. It's never been uh, a more important time to connect, but an easier time to connect as well. So the opportunities to connect are just incredible. And uh, yeah, like I said before, getting creative, um, painting, um, ticking things off 
your list that you've always wanted to do or you've you felt that you never had the time to do i just think it's it's um a brilliant brilliant time to to do that one thing i do want to and, and this is a couple of more points now because i feel like i've gone on for a little bit but one thing i did want to um draw attention to and i'm sure parents across uh the uk are feeling that but perhaps being left out of the conversation are teenagers um there are a lot of uh uh uh, accessible um, materials for for younger children, um, but teenagers are I particularly particularly um, uh, I'm uh, upset for um, those who were meant to do their GCSEs, um, for which you know sets the foundation for A levels and university, and those who are sitting uh, about to sit their A levels later on this year, who are going to have university. Um, uh, issues in the next couple of months and in the grand scheme of things whilst there's a pandemic on i understand why that perhaps is not on the forefront of many people's lives but thinking through the lens of me as a 17 year old um i had to pull out uh some in- incredible revision techniques and loads and loads of um hard working hours to get the grades that i needed to get into medical school I certainly wasn't predicted the grades that I needed to get into medical school. And if I had to, uh, if, if my grades were based on my prior performance for the year before, I probably wouldn't have got into medical school. And I really fear for a lot of teenagers in that particular bracket right now, it's certainly going to have uh, an overarching uh, impact on people's livelihoods uh, going forward. Uh, and I just feel that perhaps teenagers are being left out of the conversation when it comes to um, uh, their livelihoods and, and, and what they're going through at the moment. And uh, if there's one thing I'd, I'd love to do is uh, teach a whole bunch of them to cook. Um, it's it's something that I was taught how to do as a 17-year-old by my mom before I went to medical school. And I'm so grateful for that skill because prior to that, I wasn't cooking whatsoever. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing a lot more lives, a lot more cook-alongs and trying to uh, give uh, teenagers in particular, those who are going through a hard time, uh, with inconsistencies and uncertainty about what they're going to be doing in the next couple of months and how they're going to be dealing with university applications and, and other uh, um, exam uh, modules and stuff um, by giving them uh, the tools to, to look after themselves. I, I, I am a huge believer that cooking should be taught in um, at schools itself and it's just not. So I think, again, to my point about opportunities, this is potentially a, a really opportunistic moment for a lot of uh, teenagers as well. Um, I mean, yeah, I, at the time, if this was going on during the time that I was a 17-year-old, I would be livid, anxious, rebellious, all at the same time. Um, I don't know how I'd feel, and I really do feel for those people. So um, if you do know uh, anyone, or if you're a parent of a teenager, or you're listening to this as a teenager, um, I will be doing a lot more stuff for you guys coming in the next couple of weeks, whenever I can, and uh, and, and giving you some skills to at least look after yourself um, mentally and uh, and physically as well, using food. So what am I doing right now? So uh, currently I work largely in A&E. My uh, current rotor has been over the last couple of years, two to three days a week. That crosses pediatrics and uh, adult uh, A&E as well. Um, The likelihood is, as per a message I just got from my boss the other day, that I'll be going back full time, which I'm obviously um, gearing up for. The... um, 
it's definitely not the right tactic to jump straight into A&E immediately. The reason being is because at a, eventually we are all going to suffer from COVID-19. Hopefully all of us will get a mild case. Um, some of us will be more severe. Um, but to, to staff everything right now, the calm before the storm is perhaps the wrong tactic. Uh, and so I'll be stretching out my um, increasing clinical duties over the next couple of weeks um, with essentially the expectation that there will be people taking more leave because of sickness. Um, and you need to have reserves and you need to space out your staffing needs. And I think a lot of A&Es uh, are doing the same sort of thing when it comes to tactically trying to tackle the wall of water that is coming towards us in terms of the number of um, severe cases that are going to be coming through primary care and secondary care over the next couple of weeks. So I'm tentatively waiting for that call um, and I believe it will start in the next seven to 10 days or so. Um, in my downtime, it's never been a more important time to think about my own personal health and trying to encourage other people to think about their health as well. Prior to this, uh, as I've always been a firm believer in, you know, we can do better when it comes to our own health. We can do better when it comes to our own mental health. We can put a bit more focus on it. Um, and to my point that I said earlier, I think uh, this is potentially going to be beneficial in terms of at least encouraging and nudging people to think about their own personal health in a more pragmatic manner. Um, we know that we are micronutrient deficient overall, and those micronutrient deficiencies uh, contribute to a, a, f a whole host, a whole roster of different conditions, whether it be obesity, whether it be um, inflama inflammation-related uh, conditions, high blood pressure, immune um, uh, deficiencies, etc. Uh, and so I'm still going to continue what I'm doing. I still want to release a whole bunch of podcast episodes on how to look after your health using food and lifestyle. Uh, and I will continue to do that. But right now, the opportunity, I think, is encouraging people to cook from scratch from home. And that's why I'm so excited to do more lives. And I'll be doing some things on uh, Zoom so I can actually have an interaction rather than just on uh, live social media where you, you lack that ability to watch other people and guide them as well. So, yeah, that's perhaps the, the biggest opportunity I have right now to influence as many people as possible. And I'd encourage anyone listening to this to please do sign up to the newsletter because that's where you're going to get the links where you can, and it will all be for free, um, where you can actually cook along. Um, and I'll explain to you what the benefits are, all the different foods I'm using and the swaps as well. Um, one of the good things, and obviously there are a lot of bad things to come out of the um, lack of supplies in supermarkets, but one of the good things, and again, I like to put a positive spin on everything, is that it's encouraging people to get a bit of variety in their diet. If you can't get hold of radishes or celery, then you're going to have to opt for parsnips or swede or turnip, things that you probably have never even used before. Um, I doubt many people listening to this perhaps are in the same bucket because if you've been listening to this for a while now, you've probably come across loads of different techniques that I've taught you or other people have taught you how to use uh, different vegetables, etc. But um, this has never been a more opportunistic time to really uh, think about um, ways in which to get diversity into your food. And so hopefully if there is a positive to come out of people's supermarket uh, habits, which has been, um, again, 
yes, you could easily say it's deplorable. And uh, I think that's my initial reactive response to this. Like, how dare they? How selfish? Um, but you never know. They could, you know, when you see someone who's piling up loads of tins for their um, uh, for their supermarket shop or getting all the veg and stuff, they might have a family of six to feed. We just don't know. Or they might be uh, stocking up to help their elderly parents uh, in an effort to make sure that they don't have to go to the supermarket more than once a week uh, or more than once every two weeks or perhaps they come from a vulnerable household. We just don't know. And so I'm less inclined to uh, point the finger or tut or do anything like that against them because we just don't know what their background is. Um, The reality is, on the other hand, there will be more than enough food for all of us in the next couple of months. Um, There will be more than enough supplies. So I'm not worried about that whatsoever. Um, but uh, we we will need to be a lot more exploratory, a lot more experimental, and hopefully I can give you some solace into how we might do that. The other thing is um, I do want to make this podcast over the next couple of weeks uh, a helpful resource for you, um, a source of positivity, a source uh, of solace from the uh, inevitable COVID-19 chat everywhere else. If you do want to engage in those sorts of discussions, I have a whole bunch of uh, podcasts that I listen to personally because they talk about the latest literature. They do not shy away from the science. And I find that a uh, practical way of getting some overall uh picture of what's going on and then i could do my own uh, uh my own individual research into the papers that are referenced and the wider conversation around that from a scientific point of view there are a lot of podcasts that do that very very well and i don't want to add to the catalog uh, and the you know avalanche of, of podcasts talking about the same subject this i think i want to try and, uh, and give a, a a little bit more flexibility to and a little bit more um, positive spin to it to everything that I do at the moment so I want to add an AMA functionality to this so if you do have any questions about this topic whether it be about COVID-19 I can direct you or um, if you want to want me to try and give you inspiration as to how to use food or how to uh, improve um your current quarantine situation quarantine situation um just let me know and what are you sick of as well what what do you not want me to talk about um what do you want solace from i want to end uh just by summarizing what we've talked about but also how you can potentially help as well the uh nhs volunteer scheme was just completely overrun by incredible incredible people trying to volunteer their time and i think that's brilliant so if you haven't heard of it um please do go online volunteer and you can volunteer to do a whole bunch of different things one thing that I'm particularly worried about and I think we'll need uh, a lot more resources for and I think is needed anyway and I'll explain why in a second um, but a lot of frontline workers are going to be experiencing something called PTSD that's post-traumatic uh, stress disorder um, we're going to be making some difficult decisions uh, once we uh, run out of resources um, we're going to be making some tough decisions about um, clinical uh, scenarios and the the aftermath of that is going to be a huge psychological strain to a lot of people who may have only been in the profession a couple of years but even those who are really senior as well and I've firsthand seen a lot of that already um, if you come from a, uh, a psychology background 
um, if you have um, a clinic uh, or if you are able to offer services of that manner um, to improve and to help with people's well-being maybe you're just a very good conversationist as well and there are ways in which you can volunteer volunteer your time for that um, that would be of immense immense help uh, it's something that perhaps hasn't been talked about right now but i think over the next couple of weeks um, we're going to be ex uh, definitely going to be having more of these kind of conversations uh, and i'm worried about that if i'm if i'm truly honest um, so if you do have any skills in that respect i would certainly certainly uh, recommend you uh, try and uh, reach out to your local general practice or your um, uh, local hospital and volunteer in that respect uh, there is beatcovid.co.uk um, which has a suite of different resources so try and look at those too okay so what we've talked about we've talked about what you need to know about COVID-19 I hope I've given you some structure to approach the news as well I really hope this gives you some way of understanding the numbers that are going to get bigger over the next couple of weeks okay it's going to be anxiety producing it's going to be shocking but I've hopefully given you a framework by which to approach that and to rationalize that as well okay it's, it's, I'm going to have the exact same irrational feelings, but hopefully just with that suite of ideas about R0, the spreadability of this, the mortality rates, the numbers, if you can expect that, then hopefully that will give you um, the ability to, to deal with, with that uh, at a psychological level. Um, we've talked about the opportunities. We've talked about the positive takeaways from this. We've talked about dealing with anger online and how I think we should be even more than ever shaping who and what we follow online. Um, I would uh, encourage you to embrace uh, yourself looking at kindness online. Um, it's It really is heartwarming, a lot of the things that we've seen as well. And I think um, we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming uh, months. And um, also to resonate and to understand the irrational behavior or the selfish, quote unquote, behaviors of, of young children, uh, young adults, I should say, because um, at first it seems uh, incredibly egotistical and incredibly uh, reckless. Um, but I, I, I highly recommend we, we try and empathize with what's going on in that respect, um, not to ignore it not to not say that we shouldn't reprimand people like that but to approach the subject with kindness and compassion rather than pure anger um if you look at twitter uh, and if you um, follow people online it's very easy and it's encouraging to be reactive to this what i've tried to do personally is to try to not react um and try to take a step back and a breath before i think about what I'm typing or uh, how I'm thinking. Um, even if you don't, I mean, I tend not to use Twitter that much, but um, uh, take, a, take a breath, uh, recognize uh, what your in initial feeling is, your visceral gut feeling, and try to um, just breathe through it. I I've had a few instances uh, myself of being a bit more snappy than usual, um, being a lot more uh, out of my normal character, if I'm honest, um, and I think there's a combination of things, a bit of worry, um, the uh, the anxiety around my family, um, the anxiety about uh, work uh, and what the future is for the doctor's kitchen, how uh, the world looks in a year's time, 
the um, aspirations I had uh, for my own sort of uh, commercial interests and uh, what I want my nonprofits to do. Um, there are a whole bunch of reasons and you can certainly rationalize it, but again, breathing through that and, and being a lot more mindful of, of how you're acting, I think is um, a good strategy to have. And, and someone who's pretty chilled out uh, by my own sort of, uh, my own uh, uh, sort of understanding and, and my, my own degree, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's quite out of character for myself. So, um, if your partner or your family is acting in a strange way, just again, um, take the same sort of perspective that I do when I look at young kids and I, I think what they're doing is reckless and stuff. I think there's, there's certainly a lot of solace in, in trying to understand and, and approach it with compassion and kindness. Like I said, AMA, uh, ask me anything, send me loads of questions. I'd love to do this podcast in this sort of fashion. Again, if you're watching on YouTube or you are listening online or podcast, whatever podcast player you're um, listening to, please do leave us a comment um, and a review and I will try and uh, do more of this if you feel that these are helping you. For me, this is kind of like therapy as well. It's kind of like just me opening myself uh, up um, to what's going on. Um, and uh, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna give you some frontline stories from uh, some of my colleagues that are um, in different a &E departments and different departments as well uh, because medicine will still go on. Um, the patients that we see aren't just COVID-19 patients. Um, for example, uh, on the, just a couple of days ago when I was in, we had uh, a child that has a new presentation of a growth. We had um, a, uh, a, another person who had an abscess. We had an appendicitis. We had renal colic. We had complications of cancer therapy. We had a flare of inflammatory bowel disease. Um, you know, medicine will still continue to go on. Um, but uh, there are obviously pressures on the entire system and we are witnessing how flexible we can be. There are some positives to come out of that and perhaps we can discuss that next time. But um, if there is anything else that you want me to talk about on this podcast, please do leave us a comment. I will try my hardest to record something, even if it is the middle of the night, because unfortunately right now there is no one to cook for in my kitchen studio, um, apart from you guys on uh, live social. So I will catch you another time. Please do give this a five-star review and uh, I will see you next time. Thanks a lot. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.